Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. How's it going, my fellow teenagers? You seem like you're in way too good of a mood. Nah. The problem I have is that he expects he can start a conversation by quoting like a 10-year-old meme, and we're all just going to go along with that like everything's okay. Can't fucking stop me. <sighs> so it says that video is still processing up on the Google Drive. So I don't know how long it's going to take. So, so I mean, you guys haven't watched it? I mean, nah. I, I watched it. I literally shared all the pieces. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't have to look them up. Yeah, we watched we watched it in four parts. Okay. Yeah. I, I do I know we also internet. That's we also guys. watched the international cut, which is three minutes shorter than the oh, American really? cut, apparently. Interesting. I was not aware See, of that seems like the most arbitrary edit of all time. They're like, mm. <laughs> this, this three minutes is just too much. It's strange, too, though, because normally it's like the American censors that make them take out stuff from the international cut when it's a small amount of time missing from a movie. You know, here, like, you know, here, like European censors are like, ah, a little too much nudity and violence in that for us. Yeah, the thing the thing I read, the funny thing is it's like by taking out the three minutes, it makes it a much more cerebral, thought provoking film. And it's like, what? What the what the fuck does that mean? There's no there's no three minutes in the movie that can alter the actual plot line. I mean, I have to imagine in the American version, maybe the an ape runs around with a double sided dildo in its hand, slapping people or something. <laughs> It's just the ape has a gun. The whole thing's over a lot quicker because the ape just has an AR. Uh, Doug, why don't you tell us what Link's about? We're already sort of into it. All right. Yeah, we're just going right into it. Uh, sure. Why not? Link is. By the uh, way, by the way, Noah, pick movies for next week. Fuck shit. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Terrence Stamp is a college professor who is doing experiments on chimpanzees, in air quotes. Um, and he is hires Elizabeth Shue, which is one of his students, to come stay with him to assist with the uh, experiments. And, uh, you know, uh, she's also has to, like, clean up around the house and stuff because he's sexist. Um, yeah, that's, like, the only and- reason. He's, like... 
well, you can't be an assistant. You're a woman. <laughs> it's really funny. And then Look when he's at like, your well, ovaries weighing you down and keeping you from sciencing. But he actually, at one point, he goes, well, like, can you cook and clean? And she goes, well, I'm female. So she's like on in on it, too. Like, it's, it's the whole film. It's not just him. I thought he was going to have, like, some explanation. Like, well, when you're menstruating, it will cause the primates to you know, become territorial or some lame bullshit. We don't even we'll get that. Dis- He's just like, nah, you're a woman. We'll discuss this, but I think it's implied that there is something to that effect. Okay. Because, spoiler alert, the, the, the monkeys do get pretty horny for Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> um, Can you blame them? But anyways, basically, yeah, so if there's three monkeys there. Uh, Link is sort of the old man who is retired from experiments, and he's a former circus performer as well, where he was Link, Master of Fire. He's, he's also, multiple times in the movie, it said that it's an orangutan, and it is clearly a chimpanzee that has been dyed orange. No, it's an orangutan that's been dyed black. What is this? The, what, what did you watch? It's an orangutan that's been dyed black to be, make him look like a chimp that we're talking about. I think it, but maybe it's because I was watching it with subtitles, but it like it says orangutan screaming about 12 times. That's incorrect. That's not what the movie's about. <laughs> Your subtitles were incorrect. Why were you watching an English language movie with subtitles anyway? It was um, our only option. With French right. subtitles. Anyways. La Rangotan. So, <laughs> so anyways, Link uh, it starts to go bad. But he's so cute because he wears clothes and smokes. So nobody wants to believe he's bad. Eventually he kills a bunch of people. Um, I mean, yeah, like it's an 80s horror movie. Like, let's all act surprised that the monkey started killing people. Kills the shit out of a dog, too. This movie's awesome, by the way. <laughs> I love this movie. I've loved this movie since the first time I saw it in theaters, which this movie came out in 1986, which means I probably was seven when I saw it in theaters, and I don't know why that was allowed to happen. But... Is it first time watch for both of you guys? Yep. No, I saw this when I was younger. Uh, okay. like somebody had taped it off cable, I think. And I watched it. Yeah. The only parts I remember is Monkey Butler. Yeah. And of course, Elizabeth Shue being naked in it. Yeah. Other than that, I remember nothing. Okay. And do you remember more? That Elizabeth Shue tonight is pretty great. <laughs> is it like at at that point? I think it's really clever filmmaking too, because like Link comes into the bathroom and she's naked. And she's like, you got to leave. I'm taking a bath. And he just kind of like tries to stay and watch. And I'm like, yeah, I see where he's coming from there. That's a, re- that's a relatable <laughs> character. I mean, there's a there's a way bigger implication in that scene because he's also nude. And in yeah, like Link wears clothes through the entire movie, except for that scene, which means he undressed and walked into that bathroom. Yeah. Ooh, and I think this that. is the. I think this is the implication that I was hinting at earlier. I think the idea that 
Terrence Stamp understood it was a bad idea to bring her around because she could be arousing to the monkeys. Which I don't know if that's scientifically accurate, but for the purposes of this movie, it's clear that they are interested in her, especially Link, who's like the adult. And at one point, she, when she uses that line where she's like, oh, he's old enough to be my father, that's like in 80s parlance. That's what all girls say about older men who they eventually find attractive, right? Like that's the implication is there that Link wants a relationship with her. Yeah. Uh, I will also say that an, an additional through line through these two movies, besides science guys with a chimp, uh, is movies that have soundtracks that completely betray the tone they're trying to set. <laughs> There's a lot of Listen. cheerful music in this movie. You, oh my God. You, yeah. It's like coming to murder somebody and it's like, doop, doop, doo, 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 doo. Listen. It's only two years after Gremlins. You can't expect the same composer to come up with a whole separate soundtrack. Okay, <laughs> he just he just totally ripped himself off. Like he took his thing and just changed enough notes to make it so that he could legally sell it again. Jesus Christ! This is the dude that did the Gremlin soundtrack. Yep. You, how can you not tell? Uh, because this soundtrack sucks balls. It's the exact same music. Go back and watch this again. It is the exact. It's the same. It's like he. I see, but that's iconic. It's great. Well, then it's the same, though. That's my point. You just chose to like it in one movie and chose not to like it in a different movie. I think you're wrong. If anything, he should. If anything, he should be sued for turning in the same project twice and getting paid two paychecks for it. Uh, something we were talking about earlier in the trivia does say the script originally called for Link to be a chimpanzee, yeah. but when uh, they got the role, Link was changed to an orangutan. Although the trainer dyed his fur black and gave him prosthetic ears to make him more like a chimp. Yeah, and if you read, so if it's you read halfway the, in between the two. Yeah. No, but it, but he's he's an orangutan playing a chimp. He's he's wearing chimp face. <laughs> Oh, that's fucking terrible. Because his know, poster, Doug, though, Doug his, just got us fucking canceled. His circus poster is uh, imply it. Um, it says chimpanzee on it when they show his old oh. circus poster. So, so they yeah, they tried. Put it they tried to the make us. Yeah, like they tried to convince us that it's a chimp. The idea here is that no one will know the difference. <laughs> but it's they did. the thing I'll is, t- like, I'll tell you what, they picked the perfect primate to. Uh, that has a good dead face stare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's get into it. There's a great performance from a primate actor in this movie, and it is not human. <laughs> <laughs> the performance from Link is really good. Like, he does that thing. Like, he, he's friendly through most of the movie, and he's doing, like, the cute, like, butler thing, and he does a good job of it all. Like when he takes her up to her room in that and he sticks out his hand and she doesn't understand what's going on. And then he takes her hand and he's showing her where the bathroom is and stuff. It's adorable. And then he does. Then when he decides to be mean, he's really good at it. But he also does that thing where he like asks for forgiveness after after she yells at him. And you can kind of tell that he's playing a part like he's asking for forgiveness, but he doesn't really feel like he needs it. It's a really solid performance from this animal actor, which I don't think I've ever said before. 
I mean, obviously, obviously it's attributable to the trainers, just so we're clear. I don't think he knows what he's doing. They just taught him how to do these things. But it's Desi. done really well in the context of the movie. Which I agree with. He has those moments where he uh, he's just like, uh, he'll, he'll go crazy, and then all of a sudden he just has this like shy, affable like look on his face afterwards. And then he and he does that. He holds out his hand to indicate yeah. that he wants forgiveness. And you're like, yeah, but like he's just he's go, he's acting. He's pretending when he does that, and it's yeah. done really well. Yeah. I like it. And he's his death scene is so fucking great. Yep. Just the fact <laughs> that well, the emotiveness of the fact that he gets up to the roof, the the ape realizes he's going to die. And then lights that cigar purely out of spite. Yeah. It's it's so well done. It's he it's it's so weird that he's a real character in the movie and not just like a you know, like it's not the shark from Jaws that is just attacking all the time. And it's he's 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 like a human being that you can sympathize with. It's fascinating. And I, I like that, like they're even able to use that against him, like get him to start that fire at the end where she like haunts him by telling him he's not allowed to, to light matches and not allowed to have a smoke because he's an animal and not a person. So he he lights it and that's when that's what starts the fire. But like the fact that she's able to use his intelligence against against him like that, it's like classic villain stuff that you would do, except he just happens to be a chimp in this one. And he rips that dude's fucking arm off. Oh, dude, some of the kills are great, too, aren't they? When the when the body count shows up, when like the three like guys come up looking for Elizabeth Shue's character because they can't get a hold of her. And they, it's like, those guys aren't going to make it. None of them even know what they're walking into. They're just here to be killed. And it made me so happy. Like, there's that moment where, like, we're watching Elizabeth Shue run away. And then you hear the music start and it cuts over to their car driving up. And I just immediately got excited because I knew I was going to get to watch her die. <laughs> I the I think the only bit of writing in the entire film that I thought was a little disappointing was that they do the setup toward the beginning of the movie where he says something about don't get close to that cage. They can always reach further than you think they can. Mm -hmm. And then there's that hole in the door from where she shoots the shotgun where they get close to that hole about five fucking times. Oh, and he that's never reaches the hole and snatches somebody because that's I was waiting for that the whole fucking time. I was like, yeah, that's going to be the payoff. Somebody's going to get just a little bit too close and he's going to get him. Yeah, I can see that. Well, the one guy does get it through the mail slot. That's the. Yeah, that's but he's not part of that conversation, so it didn't really work. OK, so as an audience, we know that he should have shouldn't have got so close to that mail slot, though. Right. Yes, yeah, there's like great. A, a little bit of foreshadowing where we see that Link earlier in the film, we see Link reach in through the mail slot when he's in trouble and he's trying to like ask for forgiveness from outside so he'll be allowed back in. So we know that Link can get him through that mail slot, even though the character doesn't, which I thought was fun because then as soon as he gets near it, you're like, he's in trouble. I find it inter interesting that she really wants to be this dude's assistant. She's like, I've I've been to a couple of your classes. I've read your book. I've done all this. I've done all that. I'm a big fan. But then, like, as soon as she gets there, she starts, like, 
telling him he's doing everything wrong. Like he's like yelling at the chimps and stuff, and she's like, "Oh, you don't, you shouldn't do that. You should just be nice to him." Yeah. And he keeps telling her like, "No, no, no, that's not right." And then even like at the very end when they're driving away, and she's like, uh, "She's like." Yeah, like, you know, he went bad, like, after I showed up. Really, it's not his fault. Well, in the interest of fairness, Link was a sexually frustrated. He was having his smokes taken away from him because she wasn't giving him smokes. And he only snapped when he realized he was going to be put down because of his age, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when he finally snapped and started fighting back. So he is a sympathetic villain to a certain extent where you go like, yeah, like I can understand if you find out that the people who you think are your family are going to like have you euthanized that maybe that would make you unhappy and cause you to snap. I can understand that. Sure. I was going to say, and then there, and then there's even more to it because he only, he only turns on her after she breaks the rules that the professor told her. Yes. That's the other thing. Because, you know, he said, you always have to like accept their apology or whatever, because otherwise it'll escalate. Yeah. And so it's when she finally throws him outside and doesn't forgive him. That's, that's that moment I was talking about where he sticks his hand through the mail slot to ask for forgiveness. When she says no, that's when he finally turns on her. That's when he starts to see her as part of the problem. Before that, he differentiated between her and the professor. Oh. So. Yeah, I just find her interesting that even through all this, she's still like, oh, it's not his fault. Like, we shouldn't have treated them this way. Well, keep in mind that this is a British movie and she's an American character. So therefore, they're treating her disrespectfully. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like they like they don't see her as like the smartest one. And I think that's I think that's prejudice against you people. What do you mean you people? I I do also love the moment in the film where uh Link traps Imp in the well. Yeah. And when she's yelling at him, she's she's basically says, Is this what you do whenever somebody makes you mad, you just trap them? <laughs> In the well or whatever, and then later on you find out that that's where the professor's corpse is. <laughs> it did. It's a real fun moment. It's yeah. It's pretty. Like I said, for for a movie that has so few characters capable of speech, it's a really well written movie. It is, yeah. And it's canon. Like on top of everything else, and we talked about that. That this is a canon <laughs> film, and it's really oh, yeah. well done. So let's. Let's point out that there's still some canonness to this movie. I mean, they do burn a house down in an attempt to fight a monkey. Um, we do get to what when that dog is going to attack Elizabeth's shoe, and Link is like, "Fuck that!" And he Jason Voorhees that dog against a fence post. I'm like, that's like that's a real canon moment where he just he's bashing that dog against that fence post until it dies. You're like, okay, you're right. This is a canon movie. I understand. Uh, Terrence Stamp's pretty fantastic. Yeah, he. Yeah. Also, he's good in this movie. Well, yes. Uh, he's just. It, his it really shines through. He's just got that arrogance to him that I really enjoy. 
Interesting thing is, apparently they offered the role to Anthony Perkins first. Oh, yeah? He turned it down, so then they went to Terrence Stamp. Yeah. Well, the, the director made Psycho 2 as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that he would have had experience working with him. I'd, I'd be interested to see this movie with Anthony Perkins in that role. Yeah. Do you think he's like, he... He's like on on top of the roof, like looking through that window, like trying to look into a monkey's asshole. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up, but, <laughs> but, but I didn't think it. Yeah. Uh, now, Terrence Stamp is great. I always love Terrence Stamp when I see him show up in yeah. something. He's got that aloofness to him. That's what made him so great as General Zod. And it's it really works well here, too, because he doesn't see the danger he's put himself in, given this situation. Like, even though he acknowledges that these apes are like he makes jokes about them being smarter than some of his students and stuff. But he still, like, thinks he can plan to put one down and just speak right in front of it and not have it react. Oh. And it's like, of course, that's not going to work, you know. So and that. I was going to say, speaking of his experiments with the monkeys, what the, what the fuck was exactly going on with the recording she was playing? Because she acted like it was some big fucking reveal. Yeah, because the monkeys tricked her. Right? The monkey, when she yeah. came up to the room after they had killed the professor and she didn't know, they'd killed the professor and the one monkey. And... Oh, they came up that link played the recording back to her, like of him yelling, go away, leave me alone. Uh, okay. To get her so to that, leave. That he makes, was already dead. That makes way more sense. I must've like missed that second of the movie. I must've like looked away or something. Yeah. 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 She comes up, she hears. Yeah. Leave me alone. He, she's like, Oh, but Dr. Bailey wants to talk to you, whatever. And he's like, I'm busy. Get out of here. She's like, oh, okay. Like, walks away. Yeah, so when she hears that back, that's when she realizes that she's been duped by Link, which I fucking love, quite frankly. It's maybe the most ridiculous part of the movie when it comes to, like, what apes are capable of, but it's also great, so it's okay. <laughs> Noah, do you want to take a couple of minutes to talk about the dummy fall that we get in this movie? Are you talking about the guy who falls into the uh, the well? Yeah, well, well gets well gets chucked chucked head first <laughs> into the well. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big fall, but you get a dummy fall in this movie, and I he do hits, enjoy it. He hits that cage real hard. <laughs> it's real good. I'm I'm a little upset we didn't get some kind of a ragdoll dummy down that cliff face that they showed about three times, but that's okay. oh yeah. They tossed a stunt woman down it. What <laughs> more do you want? That moment where the uh, the Elizabeth Shue character is coming up and she like just gets shocked and just falls back down. Like, wow, that poor stunt person tumbling down that hill and landing on those rocks <laughs> for really no plot purpose, just because it's fun to watch people fall down oh, hills. Sure, gotta reveal love- that dead body and then just have her do a couple somersaults. I was gonna say, I think my favorite part of that whole scene is the fact that so Imp dips on her. And then, of course, you're waiting for the rest of the movie for, like, either them to find Imp dead because Link killed her or that Imp's going to show up at some point and save the day. And it's like, nope, nope, Imp just dipped. (laughs) Imp was the smart one. 
it's the, the smartest one that's like, uh, Link's killing everybody. I'm the fuck out. I'm going to go. Anybody want to come? No, you idiots are going to stay here. Fine. <laughs> I'll catch up with you on the road later. Yeah. Uh, do we find it interesting that they reveal at the end that Imp's also a killer? Like, oh, he's a baby. He's not going to hurt anybody. Bunch of dead sheep in the field. Well, we already knew that Imp liked to escape and go after cats and stuff, right? So it's not really a reveal. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, like, you could argue that he, he or she, whichever it is, is just hunting. Well, and and I think the whole message of the movie is that these are like large, dangerous animals that you probably shouldn't have in your fucking house. Yeah. Which is, is correct, by the way. As much as I would love to have a monkey butler, that would be my favorite thing ever. And it's it's definitely, if I, if I didn't have my kid living with me, it would definitely be worth the risk of him going evil. I'd be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally okay with it. Be like, like, that thing could kill you one day. And I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. I'd have a monkey butler up until the day I died, though. Sitting on the back deck, and a little monkey brings me a beer. That'd be the best thing ever. That's worth all of the risk. Yeah, it wouldn't be cigars at your house. You'd be like, get yourself a beer, Link. And you and Link, you and Link would just sit around drinking beer together. Just all I'm all I'm imagining is the monkey butler brings Doug a beer, and he's talking to all of his friends about how cool it is. And then the monkey butler just smashes him in the face of the beer bottle. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> I'm just get wondering Where's how pretentious it? the monkey would be when I only let it drink craft beer. <laughs> monkey wears a little fedora has mustache wax in his hair it gets sick of ipas and murders you in your sleep oh no i created i created i created the hipster monkey it's fine i'm also sick of ipas so me and the monkey would see idea and that anyways enough about my fantasy world what else do we want to say about this amazing film uh, I, like I said, I saw it when I was younger. Don't really remember much about it. It actually held up a lot better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Which is surprising. For some That's the experience I had when I decided to track it down a couple of years ago, or I guess several years ago, because you told me last week that it was during the last horror cast days, which is a long time ago now. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I remember being kind of, really caught off guard by how much I enjoyed it without the nostalgia factor, like just how good it actually is as a movie. I was, I'll admit I was a little confused by the first 30 minutes. Cause I was like, I was under the impression that this was going to be some kind of a horror or thriller film. And this okay. music and these, this monkey Butler just aren't giving me those vibes. I mean, you had to foresee that things were going to go bad when they let General Zod train a chimpanzee, right? It's true. I mean, it it, it travels at a 1986 pace. I think it's reasonable to say that, right? Like, think yeah. back to chop. Yeah. Think back to chopping mall. Like we need, you know, all the scenes in the mall, and we need the kids in the having their party in the. <laughs> furniture store for some reason you know that's that's the equivalent to us watching link play around on the uh, monkey bars outside and 
you know, they're doing their little tests where Elizabeth Shue can't keep up with impudent tests and stuff. To be fair, she does beat the chimp because the chimp gets bored and finds something else to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess anything else? Uh, it, I, I mean, I don't know. I love this movie so much. It's, it's worth so much fun to watch. It is like the performances are good from the humans as well. I don't think we've mentioned those, but it's Terrence Stamp and Elizabeth Shue. So you know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I, I love the fucking the boyfriend character who shows up to be a hero. And like two minutes later, the monkey has beat the shit out of him and he needs Elizabeth Shue to save him. That's really fun. <laughs> Plus that dude's leg up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you should point out too, it's a cool setting for a movie like that big house up on the cliff on the English countryside with the ocean in the background. Looks really cool. Gives you a bit of an on- ominous feel and it gives a, a good reason for them to be isolated the way they are. Yeah. And they do bring up that there's like wild dogs that roam the countryside. So when she tries to leave, like she walks for like, you know, half a mile and then random yeah. wild dogs show up and she's like, Oh shit. I didn't understand the dogs. Cause there's a warning sign about the dogs. And I'm like, who puts up a warning sign about wild dogs? I don't get it. Like were they the neighbor's dogs or I didn't understand, but it's fine. Now, in in some areas, even I think in the United States, like there's been like problems of like dogs that just run away or whatever, or are abandoned, and they end up sort of joining a pack of other wild feral dogs. They will just start rotting across the countryside and killing things. All right. It's not like an isolated thing I've never heard of before. I've heard of that like actually happening, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it makes as much sense as anything. So it seems like if it was that much of a problem where people can't even walk to town, they would probably round up a posse to probably uh, take care of that. But well, it, it, they are the only house on the road, right? So would you, if they're the only ones in danger, like this one household of people? That's true. If he's so upset about it, he'll send his monkeys after the dogs. Yeah, apparently the monkeys can handle themselves against the dogs, so it's not an issue. Yeah, we for sure see that. Yeah. So, so other than the possible racism against chimps by having an orangutan dress up as one and pretend to be one for the purposes of the film, I don't think there's any complaints. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, the music's terrible music is is the music from gremlins for anyone who hasn't seen the movie that's what i was complaining about the music from gremlins simply applied to monkeys it's not the music from gremlins (laughs) it's so it's it's so close that i like i i'm like i bet you it's the same composer and then i checked and it was but like i'm not usually able to do that oh what did you guys think of the opening scene where we get the uh, the monkey pov where he's chasing that cat around town <laughs> he's like when the professors brought him into the university and he's like escaped and he's chasing a cat that's super fun too i think all my animals were staring at the tv like what the fuck is going on <laughs> you're not gonna feed us to one of those are you <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, Noah, why don't you tell us about the other movie you loved, uh, Phenomena? Fuck. Uh, what's what's her face? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jennifer Jennifer Conley. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, so the movie starts and it's pretty good. There's some chick who gets lost and she winds up in a house. There's something chained to a wall that breaks loose and kills the fuck out of her, cuts her head off and throws it through a window because it's Dario Argento. And so women's guts to go through windows, yo. Uh, That's a fair assessment of the opening scene. And then there's an hour and 45 fucking minutes of (laughs) Jennifer Conley walking around starry eyed. And occasionally Donald Pleasant's going, I don't know why the insects are acting like this. They don't act like this around me. And then the last 10 minutes are really fucking awesome, too. And it gets all gory and there's a weird like, <laughs> well, there's there's a child with a disability who's turned into the villain of the movie, which is inappropriate, but in the vein of Italian movies. And there's a like a swimming pool filled with corpse juice. Pretty great. So can we casually? Oh, oh yeah, and Jennifer Conley can like talk to bugs, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's 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 clarify it here. This movie is about a girl who moves to a school. There's a killer on the loose, so she's all scared. But she also sleepwalks, which, according to the reality that this world that this movie is set in, means she's schizophrenic and a new personality is. Um, developing basically the new personality that develops can control and interact with insects also she happens to meet a professor who studies insects who's been helping the police try to track down the killer by studying the uh, the bugs that they find on the bodies he's got uh he's in a wheelchair so he's got a monkey helper that is in the whole movie and ends up helping to kill the villain at the end and Noah's complaint is that not enough is going on. Uh, That's just to clarify where we're coming from here. Yeah. Yeah. You can pretend Donald like Pleasant. that stuff is fleshed out well in the middle of this movie. And it's not just constantly oh, brightly lit scenes of Jennifer Conley walking in lines. No one's saying it's it's well thought out or fleshed out. I'm not implying that at all. I'm saying that you acted like there's not a whole bunch of scenes of an ape in this movie. You're acting like we don't have Donald Pleasance in a wheelchair and the killer fucking uh, goes in when he's like coming down this little elevator thing that takes him up and down the stairs and just cuts it off, and, like hovers him there for a while to taunt him. And then just, he's like, Oh shit, it's the killer. And then the killer's like, yep, turns the elevator back on. So he's just like coming towards him and there's nothing he can do about it. You're acting like all that stuff is like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah this movie i got i gotta admit it guys it, listen it starts strong finishes real strong this movie sucks this is a trash ass movie i don't understand like Disagree. my problem my problem isn't so much that you don't like the movie personal taste is personal taste my problem is you're acting like it's boring and i don't know how you get bored in this movie boring as fuck like there's so this movie much going was on so long it felt like it was five days like like she go like she starts sleepwalking the first night, right? She walks up to a window, looks in it, sees a, a guy with like a cool like 
stabby things, stab a girl through the back of the head, thing of shooting at her mouth. It's Dario Gento, so the kills are cool. And then she turns around and she's sleepwalking away, and she, the ledge she's on collapses, so she almost falls to her death. <laughs> then she gets randomly picked up by two guys who like force her into the car because they're I think they're trying to help. I think that's what the movie's trying to do, but that part of the film's not particularly well I made. Think, so they, I they, think it goes they, weirdly from trying to help two German guys intent on possibly raping her. It's not clear which what they're trying to do. Either way, they're either trying to help her or they're trying to rape her. We're not sure. But she jumps out of the moving vehicle, falls down a hill, and a fucking monkey finds her. I don't know how you're getting bored while this is going on. I Again, if you're saying, well, you know, there's there's some flaws in the filmmaking and not everything makes complete sense. And maybe uh, it's not clear exactly whether she's awake when she witnesses that murder or not. OK, yeah, there's arguments. No, you can made. tell if she's awake or not because they brightly light everything to let you know that she's sleepwalking. <laughs> Listen, Argento loves his lighting effects. He does, but he doesn't rely on them as much in this movie as he does in other movies. I'm no Argento apologist, just so we're clear. Like, I've done Argento on this podcast before, and I've complained a lot. But. But, yeah, no, no. But my problem is, see, you're talking about this stuff that happens, but that stuff that happens is like 20 seconds. In a 15 minute scene of her, like, walking in a line like that's that's pretty much what happens. It's long, drawn out, boring bullshit, and then something happens, and then long, drawn out, boring bullshit, and then something happens, and then long, drawn out. How much more bullshit. do you want to have happened in this movie? I don't. I ju- I just want you to edit out all the long, drawn out bullshit. Get this. Get this motherfucker down to a good tight hour and thirty, and cut out all the boring shit. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what to say to that. Brian, explain to him I why think he's wrong. Par- part, of, part of this is I watched it on Tubi with commercials. So it made this two-hour movie fucking three hours long. And I was real fucking mad by the time it got done. I, like, uh, lost I, the whole fucking <laughs> afternoon to this fucking movie. I will, I will say yeah, that the Tubi – and the Tubi cut isn't great because I think it's missing some of the translations. Yeah, it randomly it. cuts to fucking – uh, Italian a few times. Oh, yeah, you it, didn't. You didn't have uh, subtitles. No. Oh. So I have it. I got a review copy on 4K, and it's got the Italian version has English subtitles for those those scenes. Okay. Well, what's what's weird about it is I know for a fact this movie was shot in English and then dubbed to Italian. Yeah. So why the fuck do those random scenes turn to Italian? That means somebody had to go out of their way to edit that to fuck it up. I think they're trying to make it international because there are some scenes, I think, where they're speaking other languages as well. It takes place in Switzerland. So there's like French and German being spoken. You know what I mean? I think that they're trying to make it international. They're trying to say, here's this American girl, but she can kind of speak Italian, but she can't speak to the German people at all. You know what I mean? They're, they're introducing that as an element to the film. It's just nobody has time for that because there's a fucking monkey nurse in this movie. Monkey nurse who fucks yeah, up who fucks up the, the villain. I was going to say, a monkey with a straight razor fucks up that lady. Yep, that is fucking... Uh, yeah, which is based off of the... What's the short story? It's, uh, Murders in the Room Org. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I don't know. I really like this movie. I don't have nearly as many problems with it as Noah does. Um, I don't find the scenes dr- long and drawn out. Um, now I watched the Italian cut. Uh, so I don't know what the music was like in yours, but there's fucking goblin music in the Italian cut, which is amazing. If, if I remember correctly, so the Italian cut has uh, an actual score to it. Some of it. it. It does have some regular pop music in it, too. Yeah, the American cut is all like fucking... I think Halloween is in this soundtrack, which really fucked me up. I was like... Who the fuck hires Halloween to put on a soundtrack? That doesn't yeah. make any goddamn sense. It's just 80s hair metal. They're just like whoever they can get. Oh, and just fucking terribly placed. Like, there are these scenes where they're trying to build tension, and all of a sudden it's like... <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I'll acknowledge I think some of the musical choices in the North American cut are problematic. I agree with that. That's a, it's a valid criticism. They're just, yeah, ill-placed. It's, and it's I the, mean, there's the, a fucking the Motorhead of, song in there. I fucking yeah, love Motorhead, and I was still like, this should not be here. It's just the, the type of music, given what's going on in the movie, isn't appropriate. You know what I mean? Individually, the music's fine. Let's just put it in a different movie. I, w- I think a score would have been the right thing to do, given the atmosphere of the movie. So I'm really curious which version is on Tubi. Does it, does it say it's like an hour and 50 minutes on there? Yep. All right. Because supposedly Creepers, which is the American cut, has like a half hour cut out of it. Yeah. Maybe Noah should watch that. Yeah, that no, that sounds way better. Let's, let's, let's work on that. No, in my luck, be... no, in my luck, because the fucking Italian people are psychopaths. They probably cut out all the good stuff. It's what if there's an, an ultimate cut of this, which is just her sleepwalking that no one can make no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, if I'm gonna watch Jennifer Conley wandering around aimlessly and being annoying, I might as well watch Labyrinth because then at least I get David Bowie in the mix. All right, so let's see. The original Italian cut, which is the one I watched, is 116 minutes. So that's, what, an hour and 56 minutes? Yeah. The international cut, which sounds like it's what's on Tubi, is the 110 minutes. So it's an hour and 50 minutes. Hour and 50, so that's what we watched, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Creeper's cut. The Creeper's cut is 83 minutes. God damn it. So I think the creepers cut is what I watched last time where I, which is when I told you guys, we have to put this on the list and it's even crazier because everything happens at a faster pace. Is my recollection of it. Yeah. I I might, I I might honest to God, give this a rewatch and rewatch that cut and see if it's better. The creepers cut, I think is free on YouTube. If you go look for it.
But I just I, the insanity of how many different things get packed into this movie is what I love about it. It's just I, like you, like girl moves to school and there's a killer stalking and she sleepwalks so she's in danger. That's a movie. Girl develops the ability to interact with insects. That's a movie. Girl befriends scientist who has a monkey that's his nurse, and they solve crimes. That's a movie. <laughs> and, and all of those things happen in this movie. It's just, it's insanity, and I, I don't know how to not enjoy it. I don't think I was entirely wrong. Like some, There are some of the scenes of the sleepwalking that are a little elongated and longer than they need to be. Um, fine. And and certainly there's a valid criticism of this movie that not everything that's happening on screen actually makes sense. You could definitely make that argument, but yeah, it's, but it's uh, that's Italian cinema. Yeah, I mean the craziness is enough, and I like I like in the whole movie you keep wondering like how is all this stuff going to tie back together? Like how is that those chains being broken in that opening kill scene? going to tie into her being able to control insects and there being a monkey nurse and at the end when there's like the big battle and that boat explodes for reasons that i can't explain and she's like using her insects to fight the evil kid while the monkey's hacking up the mom with his straight uh, razor or whatever it is i'm like how did they tie this all in i don't know i do not understand how, how this battle royale of craziness is all is all actually tying together all these plot lines. You know what I mean? A swimming pool full of corpse juice. Oh, it's so gross and disgusting. (laughs) I mean, gross and disgusting in the best possible way. I assume everybody knows that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, The good bits, the, the good bits are fucking great. Like I said, starts real strong, ends real strong. Just in middle bits. Like I said, the only thing I can compare it to is Suspiria. Everybody always pretends like I'm supposed to like Suspiria, but I've watched it three times, and every time I'm going, so help me God, if I watch a girl walk down a fucking hallway one more time, I'm going to burn the house down. No, I mean, I like it when we do the Australian movie Next of Kin. I don't know. There are people walking down halls in it. I'm gonna look for. I'm gonna like try to find a Google list of movies with the most people walking down halls and put them all on the list. How about just let's just watch Old Boy. He's in a hallway. Dude, this is, this it's this a really good hallway. Fucking hallway month coming up. If any of your listeners want to send in their suggestions for hallway month, ooh, The Shining would be on that list though. Oh yeah, look at that. Movies, movies that pissed off Stephen King month. Uh, that lawnmower man for sure you've already done lawnmower man though right yeah we could do part two job's war (laughs) i don't know i think that my favorite thing i saw is uh i was listening to a podcast and somebody brought up the fact that apparently stephen king saying that he's uh already put his stamp of approval on flanagan's uh dark tower series that he's working on and somebody else was like, yeah, but I got to point out that while Stephen King's a great writer, that dude has shit tasted movies. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's true. He does have shit tasted movies. I don't know if I go that far. Oh, yeah, my God. Really- Every time I hear him talk about something, so he'll say some horror movies. Great. That sucks. And then he absolutely loves some horror movies that are just bland as dog shit. 
I don't think he's always right. But I don't know if I'd go as far as to say his taste is shit. So. Anyways. Oh, did, I, did I hear Doug's kid? No, it wasn't my kid. He's not here. Oh, oh. Must have just been someone's chair. Thought I heard a child in the background. Either that or my house is haunted. Probably, either, probably either my loud ass chair. It's all right. Um, I don't know. Anything else about Phenomenon? I, I mean, it's the craziest shit that we've seen, that we've talked about in a long time. Like I say, so much is going on and I don't, I don't even know how to properly convey <laughs> the insanity of all these different storylines converging. And the idea that sleepwalking somehow leads to schizophrenia, which is actually multiple personality disorder. And then just by sheer coincidence, her new personality can control bugs. It's the weirdest fucking plot line I've ever heard in a movie. I don't know why they're acting like that. He does that about four times, by the way. It's, it's also weird, like... Who can explain it to me? Does Donald Pleasance, does he, is he a teacher at her school? Is that where he teaches? No. Or does he teach somewhere different? Like he, 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 he studies bugs in his home. But like it's like they only had him. They clearly didn't have him for that long, and they just had to film all the scenes in this one location, right? Because they, uh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what he was doing there. He's from Scotland, but he came there to go to school and just stayed along, and now he teaches. But where does he teach? He's not a high school insect teacher, is he? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I have one more question for you guys about this movie. Um, So it's it's a Dario Argento film, right? And it's set in an all girls school. Were you super relieved when none of the underage girls were naked in the movie? I thought that was pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Because he has that tendency to show you a girl naked and then later point out that she's under 18. And you're like, don't why do that? Why does he do that in those movies? You know, so the funny thing, Char was in the living room for part of this film while I was watching it. And uh, she made some kind of a reference to that. She goes, I don't know what's going on, but it sure seems like they are hypersexualizing a young girl. And I was like, Char, you're this is Italian. You're lucky that she isn't fucking her uncle. Right. Oh, now. <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. Like, there's a scene in this movie where a girl takes her sweater off and they have her turn her back to the camera. By Dario Argento standards, that's feminism. That's what that is. <laughs> that is feminism. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that uh, his daughter's not in it naked somewhere is a miracle. Yeah. So... I don't know. I guess he learned his lesson. He was go, trying to go mainstream with this one, I guess. By having the bug girl and the monkey team up against the monkle, a child and its mother. I read a bunch of stuff where he said that this was his favorite project, I guess. And I was like, really? This one? I, su- I suppose if he, he was just allowed to go as batshit as he wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, certainly he can't have been holding back much. There's, You know what I mean? He has a bunch of bugs eat a child's face on camera. So <laughs> I don't think he was holding back. Oh, and that the kid, uh, I don't think he's ever named in the film. 
but I know Argento and everybody refers to him as a name that's like Patu or something like that, which is the name of an actual genetic disorder in children that causes deformities. Well, I was like, ooh. I mean, it's (laughs) that's yucky. Surprising that they got it that accurate, but also seems a little bit mean spirited. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, all right, before we get into what we watched, we do have another piece of feedback. This one comes courtesy of Paul from the website, geeknerdery.com, which is where this podcast was hosted. And something we never checked. Luckily, the website emailed this one to me. And apparently Paul's behind because on our Zombie 2 and Zombie 3 episode, he commented, I never knew zombies had such a powerful bite force that could rip a chunk from a tiger shark. And laughing emoji. Well, now you do. I, I, no, I, I feel like we've always known that. It's just never truly been tested until that movie. I mean, if you weren't throwing a stuntman <laughs> into a tank with a real shark, what the fuck are you doing? Still the craziest shit ever. <laughs> Fucking Italian. This, is, this is real cinema. <laughs> Throw a guy in a tank with a shark. No. He slightly sedated the shark so he could stuff his fake arm in its mouth. <laughs> Wow, we should just do zombie on the show again. <laughs> I mean, I've already done it on this show, and I think we did it on the last horror cast, and I went and did Scott's other podcast so I could watch it again. But let's do it again. Let's find it. Uh, all right. What has everybody else watched? I watched Oon Thing. Spider-Man. Oh. Know it. Doug, did you go see Spider-Man? I have not seen it yet, no. It's it's good, but it really, man, it really, really is a two-part movie. Which is kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know how into that I'm getting anymore. I kind of want stories to, like, be told. But I also don't know what I would cut out of that movie. So it's like a cliffhanger ending? Oh, yeah, it is. But when they announced that they announced it was going to be two parts. Yeah. So this is not like a surprise for anybody who's paying attention. Yeah. Like the whole the whole movie is literally just a setup. Like in the, in the, the next, whole movie is the first act of a movie. The next movie comes out next year. Yeah, so I'm probably so, out on this one then. So there's not a giant uh, wait. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Noah seems a little like. Lukewarm on it. I absolutely loved this I, movie. I don't think it was bad. I don't think it's as good as the first one. No. But the first yeah. one was tighter. You know what I, I mean? Like this one, they kind of were able to meander and do whatever the fuck they wanted. 
Yeah. I uh, I think it may be better than the first one. I need to rewatch both of them. But I'm also a sucker for alternate realities, so it was it was weird that I was kind of expecting more of the characters from the first one to show up. Yeah, they it was like Nicolas Cage had announced he wasn't showing up in this movie. So I knew they were kind of doing something different, which I was okay with. I, I can, do like that. I kind of when just a, wanted when a movie Spider-Man. comes out. When a movie comes out that Nicolas Cage isn't going to be in, he has to make an announcement. Or <laughs> else just makes an announcement when they're going to be in a movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was good. There was, I mean, there was only like one or two things that I was like, wait, what? Like when she's describing Miguel, she says something about him being a vampire. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand if they're saying that in this version, he is some kind of vampire or if that's just a random reference to the fact that Miguel has fangs. I just took it as a reference that he has fangs. Yeah, I suppose they didn't do, they didn't do a very good job of explaining his superpowers. No, really? I did like the reference toward the end where he goes, Claws, are you even a fucking Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's one of my favorite Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, he's interesting. They they also uh, didn't show his weird feet, which I was disappointed. It's like, show, his, show his weird fucking feet. <laughs> has claws on his toes, too. Yeah, he's got weird clawed toes. Yeah. And I think he's only he's got two big toes, right? Isn't that it? Because he has like weird spider feet. I don't think so. I think he's got regular toes. See, I was just thinking I was thinking he has weird, creepy spider feet. I don't think so. I but can't. I've I haven't reread the original run since the nineties, so they did they did kind of turn him into an asshole. Yeah, but I kind of understood his point. It's just like, look, I'm trying to keep, you know, all of all the realities together and everybody keeps fucking around. Even when he dropped that uh, especially strange and that nerd and on Earth one nine 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 nine. I wasn't it fascinating how they just really pulled everything from the MCU and the Sonyverse. Like, oh, yeah. all over the place. Yeah. I'd really like to understand that contract and that discussion with, like, Kevin Feige and stuff, how they were like, yeah, we're just going to connect it all now. Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah, these movies connect into the MCU's multiverse saga now. Which I'm kind of happy about. That's interesting. Yeah, spoiler, Doug, the uh, the live-action movies are also count towards this this animated stuff now too. I'm not watching Morbius. You don't have to. They don't even they don't really mention well they do sort of mention Morbius in the specific scene we were just talking about. He's like a good guy vampire. Doesn't seem right. There's more uh, I don't know if you've if you watched the Venom movies. I haven't, but yeah. Well, apparently they they go to this convenience store all the time, 
the lady that owns it is like a character in the movies. It's one of, one of the animated characters is able to hop from different realities and he shows up in the convenience store. Like frame Roger Rabbit style where he's animated and everything else is live action. So it's just interesting how they're pulling everything together into one multiverse. See, I don't know but, if I like that. Eh, I kind of enjoy it. Like specifically how they're using the Spider-Man stuff, I think is fantastic. I think I, I think I'd kind of prefer this stuff be separate. Eh. I you don't know. I, the, you haven't watched it. You don't get an opinion. That's fair, but you, you're like talking me out of watching it. Uh-huh. I was like planning to see it. I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. It's probably going to go next weekend. And now it's like, not sure. Nah, still go. It's still good. The story itself. I mean, outside of the alternate reality stuff, like, I feel like the story is really good. Um, it's interesting how like the first movie like really affects this movie. Like sometimes when they, especially an animated sequel, they just kind of like, well, here's a new adventure. And then you realize in this one, they specifically point out that like, no, all this stuff that happened in the first movie was just like the very tip of the iceberg. And all this stuff is very important to the story of what's going on in the second one. But I was also thinking of taking my six year old and now I'm not sure doesn't sound like a, he's going to doesn't sound like it's going to be for him and he's going to be pretty frustrated if the movie ends on a cliffhanger has he seen the first one i'm pretty sure he has but yeah. uh if he'll be frustrated by a cliffhanger don't fucking don't don't just don't <laughs> well i mean i i might be i'm pretty frustrated by movies that end cliffhangers too i mean not just not just a cliffhanger like it's the end of a fucking batman 66 episode Okay. Like they might as well have been like <laughs> Spider-Man in the evil clutches. Tune in next week. Yeah, I might. I might be waiting a year to watch this. Then that's fine. I get that. I don't even know. Even the, I don't. Even, that might even be enough to. But I don't want to. Still, I'd say you you will still want to watch it at some point. If you want to wait a year, I totally get it. Yeah, I think my biggest the biggest thing I don't like about these particular movies is I'm not a huge fan of that jerky art style that they're doing. I will say I love the art style. Really? I, it's just so fucking unpleasant. And then whenever they do big action scenes, there's so much going on on the fucking screen. You can't hardly keep track of anything. It's just like a big cluster fuck of shit. Yeah, that didn't bother which, me. And then yeah. all the realities have a different look to them, which is nice. See, I like that part. I just don't like, I don't know. It's the clipping. The fact that like the animation's intentionally not smooth is weird. And I don't like it. And that weird thing where things in the foreground, they do the, uh, the comic miss ink where the inks are misaligned. So like it stretches and blurs the colors if something's closer to the screen. Yeah, I get it's a conscious choice and stuff, but I think it's ugly. I figured you'd be more annoyed with the fact that uh, on the spot, the main villain, you can still see like the original uh, anatomy drawings, like of the art where the artist is coming up with the shapes of the character. 
go. But I think you kind of have to do that because otherwise he doesn't have any dimension. He'd just be solid white. It would look weird. I don't know. Uh, it, was a, it was definitely it was an interesting choice to focus on Gwen instead of Miles. Yeah. Because arguably this is a Spider-Gwen movie, not a Spider-Man movie. Well, I feel like they share it. I feel like Miles does get a lot of story time in there. A lot of the plot revolves around stuff that's happening specifically to him and because of him. She does she does sort of I mean it's it's very much like a co-star sort of story where she gets a lot of story time. She sort of leads off the movie and then you do get a shit ton of mild stuff. You do kind of like all of his friends are bad friends. That's pretty much the moral of the movie. I mean, uh, his roommate. All, help all of them. Every every person in this movie kind of uh, does Miles dirty. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, that, you watch? that prowler, that prowler cameo is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I feel like everybody's going to love spider punk now. I do like, I love the way they used spider punk in this movie to basically bring him in and go, yeah, he's cool, but he doesn't care. He's cool. And then he just kind of fucks everything up. And then he's like, yeah, I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, he's the one, he's the one person that doesn't do miles dirty. It's true. I mean, rethinking about it, he's the one that kind of warns him about everything. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. I like that we do at the Spider-Man headquarters. We do see the original 1967 Spider-Man, and he's basically just like a still image swinging through the air. It's kind of fun. <laughs> he he comes he, comes he comes swinging to kick Miles, and he goes, "Oh, I got a cramp!" And it just like pans over, and you just see him go by in the same pose. <laughs> <laughs> There's a charm to that old cartoon that I I still kind of enjoy watching it once in a while. I can find old ones on YouTube or whatever. And uh, so Scarlet Spider is in it, and. <laughs> I can't I can't decide if they're doing that character dirty because I actually really do like that character in the comic books. I think they're just doing that 90s version of that character. Well, that's the whole thing is that they basically just made him the avatar of 1990s Spider-Man where he's just fucking grimdark and posing all the time. And emo and just like tortured and yeah. Oh, that memory was a particularly bad one. <laughs> <laughs> it's Andy Sandberg. So it makes it even better. Well, and I think it's Andy Sandberg intentionally doing part of his Nick Cage impression. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, which is a pretty funny idea. Since you have Nick Cage voicing another <laughs> version of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> 
the part where he's on the roof and he just goes, perfect pose. <laughs> Here's something. He's like, what? What? Yeah. I didn't want to go see this movie again. Anyways, it's, it's worth seeing. It's just, up, I don't know. I want a movie to have an ending and this movie doesn't have an ending. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, I watched a few things. Did they have endings? They did have endings, almost entirely. Um, I watched The Invitation from 2022, which is just, uh, I don't know if everybody remembers this one coming out. It's just a girl gets invited to a wedding with her long-lost family. There's clearly vampires there from the out- outset. But the whole movie, we pretend we don't know that there's going to be vampires, and then there are vampires. Justin Long in this movie? Nope. No? Uh, nobody. I, I don't think I've recognized any of the actors. That doesn't mean they're not famous people. It just means that I didn't recognize them. Was he in another vampire movie called The, In- the Invitation? Like last year? Highly doubt that. That seems very yeah. unlikely to me. Um, I like this one. It was pretty good. I think you might have talked about it once before, Noah. Yeah, yeah, I went and saw so, it came out. Yeah, it's um, it's I don't know. It's just a horror movie. It, I mean, I guess minor spoiler. It's a it's a Dracula movie. It's a sort of an unofficial Dracula sequel. The lead the lead vampire turns out he is Dracula. I liked the twists they did on the traditional lore. I thought that was kind of fun. Where it's this idea of there's these three families and each family has to provide one of the vampire brides for Dracula. And this family that has tracked down their long lost American cousin is doing so because they're just out of British females to give Dracula as his bride. But um, I don't know. I liked the lead actress. I thought she was charismatic enough and likable enough that like you wanted to f- go along with her story. I like most of the other actors. I thought they did their jobs well. It's it kind of pulls that from dust till dawn thing where like the first 75 percent of the movie is just kind of a, a horror movie. And then the last quarter of the movie all of a sudden is a action comedy, I guess. I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it action comedy, but certainly a lot more action in that last little bit. Like it really ramps up at the end. Um but, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's getting harder and harder to just find like just straightforward horror movies that are just here's a horror movie. And this is a good example of one where they're just like, yeah, what if this girl like had to go to like got went to like track down her family using 23 and me or whatever. And then when she gets there, she finds that her family's plan is to marry her off to Dracula. That's a story, right? And you're like, yeah, it is. It is a story. And it's, you know, we get to she flies to England and we get the cool big, like, uh, you know, big castle. And I almost turned it off when they told us that the castle's name was new Carfax Abbey. I'm like, uh, if they think that's clever, I'm turning this off. But later I realized they don't think it's clever that there's, it's just Dracula's new house. So, and they're just basically telling us that, um, which, which was fun. Yeah. I, I like it when movies do this, where they take a, a one of the classic monsters and give it their own little like twist without disrespecting the original lore. 
they did a good job here. My only real complaint would be at the end. There's a little tagged on scene where the uh, the lead actress and her American friend are going to like go get revenge on the people who tried to turn her into a bride. And I'm like, that felt really forced to me and unnecessary. And I think they thought having the comic relief character get one more scene was important, but I disagreed. But I mean, it's a really minor complaint. Overall, I think I just enjoyed it. And I'm going to say a lot of those same things about the next movie I saw. Uh, Justin was, Long was in a movie called House of Darkness from 2022 that had vampires. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was the, the invitation, but whatever. I will do. I will endeavor to watch that. And then I'll let you know if it's, they're very similar movies or not. Spoiler okay. alert. I doubt that they are. <laughs> Uh, next thing I watched was the Boogie Band. I went to theaters to see that. Have you seen it, Brian? Guessing it's a Stephen yes. King thing. Your, yes. Yeah, your hat have or yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Um, again, like I've just been craving real horror movies lately, and this is just see that closet over there, monster in that closet. No one believes her. Turns out there really is a monster in the closet. That's the whole fucking movie. It's not like. It's not really complicated. There's not like some big moral message. It's just scary monster. And no, no, first nobody believes the kids that there's a monster, but eventually they do believe them and they have to fight the monster. And I thought the atmosphere really worked. I thought the performances were good. I thought the characters were strong. I thought the like, the way the family is set up where it's like their the mom has passed away and the rest of the family is grieving. And that's sort of why the monster comes to that family is because they're in that situation. I thought was a, a good setup. Uh, so I, I, everything about it really worked for me. There's even like a good use of jump scares in this movie. And I think because jump scares are used so terribly most of the time, you forget that like, oh, they can be an effective tool when they're done right. When, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, okay. So I was really happy with it. What did you think, Brian? Uh, I thought it was good. It reminds me of two movies from the early 2000s. One of which is uh, uh, Darkness Falls. Yeah. And then the other one is a movie called They. It was produced by Wes Craven. Yeah. Yeah, Ethan Embry, where they, yeah, the kids had night terrors when they were younger, and now yeah. shit's starting to happen to them again. Yeah, um, I feel like it plays a lot like that, which is kind of funny. I'm just like, oh, this plays like both of those movies. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was good. I had uh, a bunch of idiot high schoolers in my theater who kept talking. Hopefully, That's I was funny. sitting far enough away that I just wouldn't have to deal with it, but. There's one scene where somebody gets thrown into a TV. Yeah. Which I'm sure you remember. And of course, they all had to start laughing and go, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, shut the fuck up. All of you. Yeah, I was lucky. I had, I had a good audience for mine. Everyone was nice and quiet. Yeah, I went and saw Spider-Man on Thursday and then went and saw this on Friday. And it reminded me of why I usually don't go see movies on Friday. Yeah, I saw it Thursday, so <laughs> I was yeah, lucky. That's it was why. Like, 
and it was like a I think it was Thursday. It was like a nine thirty screening or something too. So like, yeah. normal people aren't going to the movies at that point, which is nice. Yeah, I will say my, my 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 one complaint about the movie would be like it's set in this alternate universe, and if somebody had just invented flashlights, it would have saved the day real quick. <laughs> like. <laughs> All these people are like, it's so dark. What could we ever do? And I'm like, none of you own a flashlight. None of you think to go buy a flashlight during the day when it's like, it's well, not even that only one person ever turns the flashlight on, on their phone throughout yeah. the entire movie. And and I'm like, like, we, uh, we all, we all have them now. Right. Everybody yeah. knows that. Right. I mean, it's, I, I say it's a complaint, but it's like, it's not really a complaint because it's a horror movie. Right. It's, I'd be like complaining because like the girl will run upstairs instead of running out the front door. And you're like, no, it's they're supposed to act in a way that allows the monster to get close to killing him or else it wouldn't, the movie wouldn't be an, an hour and a half long. It'd be like 15 minutes. It's just be like, Oh, I just left the lights on. Now the monster can't come problem solved. Yeah. No, I thought it was good, but that was interesting. Yeah. I just, I liked it. I liked the, uh, I liked it when they, the guy came in like who had previously been attacked by the monster and his kids had been killed. I, I really liked those moments of like him. Yeah. And he eventually like kills himself in the house or whatever. Yeah. The monster kills him depending on how you want to interpret it. Um, and it's like, it's all great. Really? I, I, again, just, it's so nice to just sit and watch a horror movie and it's just a horror movie. It's just, yeah, just a monster. Yeah. It's not trying to be an action movie. It's not trying to be a comedy. It's not trying to be full of social commentary. It's just. No. Yep. Something in the dark. Sometimes you can kind of see its eyes reflecting a little bit. Yep. Because you want easy when you're watching, looking in the background for it. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's done well. Like the atmosphere really is. Those dark moments are creepy. I don't It's hard to like. I don't know, like I'm 44. I've been watching horror movies for 43 and a half years at this point. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like I don't really, I'm not going to say I would ever get scared in a horror movie anymore, but I think this would scare somebody who could get scared in a horror movie. There's yeah. a couple of like spine tingly type moments in this movie where you're just like, I know they're doing this right. You know, that, I, I don't know. I got home and I had to walk down my hallway without the lights on. I got a little, little creeped out. Yeah, that's good though. I mean, that's I like. I wish that would happen to me still. It's it's just extremely rare that you would ever get that feeling anymore. So yeah, you already like the main actress. She's on uh, Yellow Jackets, which I am a big fan of. So oh, okay, I haven't seen that yet. Should watch. I it. didn't. I didn't. Yeah, it's one that I should see. But um, I don't think I knew anybody from this movie. I knew the dad, but I didn't know what he was from. Okay. And then, uh, of course, uh, David Desmolchin, the guy who shows up for the therapy session. I didn't recognize him either. He's uh, he's in all kinds of stuff. He was in The Dark Knight. He's in uh, Ant-Man. He's one of uh, Scott's... Uh, oh, he's that guy. Uh, this is the okay. work of gypsies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, now, now I know who he is. I just didn't pick up on it. He was in the he movie. Wasn't, uh, wasn't doing a funny accent. So. He was in the movie uh, Prisoners. Yeah. Another creepy role. 
Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's a good actor. He's a good enough actor that yeah. I know him from all these things and didn't realize it was him. Yeah. Right? I think he's going to be in uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, I believe. I think, he, I think you're correct. Yeah, That's one I'm really looking forward to as well. Yeah, me too. Um, so. I don't know. Yeah, I, the Boogeyman's a high recommend if you just like horror movies. That's how yeah. what I would say about it. Agree. And what was the last thing I watched? Oh, I watched Ginger Snaps too, which obviously everyone knows I like because I never shut up about it. <laughs> um, it's, it's a character flaw I have that I can't stop telling people how much I like this movie. But what was neat about it this time was that I got to go check out uh, a classic cinema that I've been wanting to go to for a long time, Review Cinema in Toronto, mm-hmm. which is a, it's now like a not-for-profit that is just trying to stay open and keep showing movies. Um, it's been in operation since like 1911, I think. Oh, so yeah. I just, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to, to go there. I've been wondering yeah. for a while and I was, it's funny. So I was, they were doing like, Oh, a, a werewolf day for, they said it was, they said it was like full moon Eve. So I assume that, that means it was a full moon the next day, but I didn't check. So they were showing a bunch of werewolf movies in a row and I wanted to go see, I wanted to go. So I'm like, I was passing through Toronto and I was going to go see a couple of movies. And then I ended up only seeing one cause I was, by myself and I didn't really want to kill time between movies. Um, but it was, it was just fun to go to. I like walking in and they have like the ticket booth. And I think for some reason, I think it's really funny when you walk in and they have the old timey ticket booth and the person standing behind there. And then they like use their little machine to scan the ticket on your phone through the hole <laughs> that they used to pass you tickets to. I don't know why I find that funny, but yeah. Yeah, the normal theater, which is the one that plays all the old movies I go to. They still have they still have the ticket booth like out front. Like you can yeah. literally walk up to it from outside and they give you your ticket and then you go inside. That's so fun. I love it's that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just And it's always it's like the old like slanted floor. Instead of going upstairs to your seats, you get the floor slant down into the ground and so I don't know, there's something about the like it's the old timey seats and then the screen is up higher to offset the fact that you're that you don't have like as good a seating i don't know yeah there's something fun uh, about like going to see older movies in that type of an environment that i really enjoy and that theater was really cool and it looks like they show a bunch of like really good horror stuff so the only thing i'm missing i still want to go to a movie theater that has a functioning balcony oh i've bro- done that before because growing up, there was one that I used to go to a lot, and it had a balcony, and I would sit up there a lot. And even ones that still have a balcony, they have them shut off, so you can't go up there. Yeah. It's like, man, but I really want to sit in the balcony like I used to. I think it was I think it was the Bloor in Toronto that used to have one, which is now, like, they only show documentaries or something there now. Yeah. But it's like, it used to, it used to have a balcony. I sat up there once and watched, like, something weird like 2001 maniacs or something like that from up in a balcony <laughs> but it's like it was one of those like i think it was part of a festival so it was just full of like the right people and you're up in the, with the people who choose the balcony seats so there's the craziest ones you know of course <laughs> it's just it's super fun there, i don't know of any that are actually still in functioning that actually show real movies anymore yeah, I mean, I just want to go to some old theaters. I love. I I, I love theaters. it. It's so much fun. Like 
to see old movies in like these art house cinemas. I don't like, you know, I don't necessarily want to go see the next Marvel movie at one of these, but yeah, to see like an old school horror movie in there is, is fun. And I don't know. I, I enjoy the experience and it makes me sad that they keep going away. Like I used to go to the Bloor a lot and it went away and then I started going to the Royal and now it's like in the pandemic, it shut down and it reopened, but I don't think they really do movies anymore. They have like comedians and shit there now. I'm like, that's fine. Like I get it. You're trying to make money, but that's not what I want to go to. Yeah. So that's why, that's when I like was just Googling around and found this one. Just luckily I was, I was driving past Toronto on this day and decided I'd go. I wanted to go see my, my original plan was to go see ginger snaps and then like go get dinner or whatever and go back for monster squad. Cause they were showing both. Nice. But when I ended up being by myself, I'm like, like three hours is a long time to kill by yourself in between movies. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. That was the biggest reason. May have been worth it though. I saw monster squad in the theater last year yeah it's fun to watch years ago. screen and, yeah. with a, and with a crowd like i i did it a few years ago and yeah. i really enjoyed it i was ready to do it again like it's it wasn't wasn't like i didn't want to it was just yeah it's, it's like i say three hours to kill by yourself followed by then it also being five hours later when you get home so because i still had a long drive afterwards three hour drive home so yeah I just love seeing movies and I don't want to say unconventional, but uh, different ways than we're used to now. Yeah. The, the, the drive in here that does the dust till dawn stuff. I love going to that. Yeah. It showed pieces last year, which I think is like the perfect place to watch pieces. Yeah. Is that a drive in? It's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a fun experience and Yes, like that you want. It's it's kind of like you know how like we miss you know renting movies, and it's like obviously it's better to have like all these movies at your fingertips and stream whatever you want. Like obviously that's objectively better. Just going out and rent a movie. That's the same thing with this. Like obviously the modern theaters have better quality picture and better sound and better seating. You know they're measurably better in every way. But I miss the old ones sometimes. I just want to do it and to see the older movies that way is it's kind of the most fun way to see them there's a theater it's not like an old theater but they're showing a bunch of hitchcock stuff yeah and i meant to go last week to watch uh uh fuck i can't remember which one now yeah it doesn't matter one of them ended up missing it and i'll be able to go this week they're showing notorious i may try to make it down there to check it out be fun yeah i don't know it's just fun going to the shit like this where everybody's into it like me and noah just went to that thing a couple weeks ago like everybody was into it everybody was having a good time well it's the other thing when you go see older movies it's like people know what they're getting into when they go to this you know what i mean like it's a it's a more specific audience there's nobody who just decided to go to the movies that day and ended up at like an afternoon screening of ginger snaps too in a hundred year old theater like that's you know what i mean yeah. It's it, it's it's a decision people make. So you're part of a group that wants to be there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I I like it. I hope to get to go back to that one more now that I 
know where it is and stuff. Yeah, sounds fun. That was that was on my way home from going to see Kevin Smith speak for like the. One yeah, time. that's what I was going to ask so, you about. So, so, was he just doing a Q and A? Just doing a Q and A, yeah. Um, and he does he does these auctions now because he he bought that movie theater in New Jersey, and apparently he's like, yeah, it's not like a great investment. So he's like auctioning off all the hockey jerseys that he wore for all those years and stuff to try to like raise money <laughs> to like keep his theater alive, which is fun. People pay an insane amount of money for like hockey jerseys that like here's a four XL Oilers jersey. And he just signed it. And people pay five, six hundred bucks for that. It's insane. So I'm just disappointed I don't live close to his movie theater. So he talks about it on his podcast, like Yeah. He does all kinds of crazy shit at the theater, which is a lot of fun. Even even like when a new Marvel movie comes out, he goes and watches it with everybody and then does yeah. and he's like, then I get up and do a Q and a about a movie. I had nothing to do with. Yeah, I know, but it'd be <laughs> fun to watch though. I, totally. I wanted to go. They did the, he called it the Snyder cut of Jersey girl, which is like yeah. a three hour cut of that movie. That's never been released. And they did that. That my original plan was to go to that. And then yeah. the guy I was going to go with, couldn't go for like he had family obligations and i'm like that's a little too far to go by myself that's like six and a half hour drive or something <laughs> and then that's when the, that then he like where he lives is only a half an hour from where kevin was this weekend so he's like just come up for that i'm like okay too bad but anyways yeah yeah, yeah at, the, at the end of the night kevin had, was making so much money selling stuff that he somebody's like i want to buy your socks he took them off and auctioned them off and somebody gave him like I forget what it was. It was, I think it might be 300 bucks for stupid socks. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I, he's like, should I sign them or something? Like, he's like, he was genuinely like, I don't know. But like, he was like, people kept bringing out more stuff from the back. And it was like, because they're like, well, if everyone wants to keep buying this stupid shit. Yeah. He sold the, the jersey he was wearing when he had his heart attack and it went for like 1500 bucks. That's it. Like, well, keep in mind he's in Brantford, Ontario, in a crowd of like 900 people. Those are the only yeah. people who bid on this. Like, he could probably make a lot more money on this stuff if he sold it online. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, if he kept that one back and did like an online auction, it seems like he would get a lot more. I would think so. Yeah, but I, like, I have a feeling that he feels awkward taking the money from his fans at some point because there's they had like some of the. The shirts from the movie Yoga Hosers, like they had, they're like hanging in the store when you go in there and they have the name of the store on them. Yeah. And at one point, like there was a bidding war over one of them. And they were up for like over a hundred bucks for this t shirt. And he like stopped it and he's like, Look, you've bid a hundred dollars and you've bid a hundred and one. There's two of them here. You win this one, you automatically win the next one. I'm like, This is <laughs> like, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I think like, is he sick of taking people's money? Does he have so much money that he's sick of taking people's money? Is that what's happening right now? It's not what it sounds like on his podcast. That doesn't sound like it ever, but no. I imagine at some point you're just like, or maybe he just wanted to go home too. That's the other thing. <laughs> it was like, it's, I don't like if the show was supposed to be from eight to 10. Now he started a little late. It was closer to eight fifteen. And we were out of there by twelve fifteen. So it's, it's like <laughs> it's like it's it's that insane. Right. I'm like I was so relieved because I was like thought about just driving home after because it's about a three and a half hour drive from there. And I'm like, 
I could just drive home then forget it. I, I would, would have missed my ginger snaps movie, but whatever. And then I'm like, nah, I'm going to just pay for the hotel so that I can go into Toronto the next day. And then I'm like, thank God I did. <laughs> would have been, you know, four in the morning when I got home. Totally. Yeah. <sighs> Good Lord. I did have, I have a, you know, you guys are more uh, socially conscious than maybe, maybe you understand how to handle life better than me. Maybe. So I've been doing this podcasting thing for a long time, right? Yeah. Lots of uh, got tons of Facebook friends that I've never met in real life. Sure. So I'm at so I'm at this Kevin Smith thing, and it's towards this end of the auction where people like a lot of people have like stood up because you've been sitting for four straight hours listening to. Him. <laughs> and uh, I realize I'm Facebook friends with the guy I'm standing next to, and I oh, yeah. don't think he knows that he's an a he's just a horror etc. listener who may or may not be listening to this right now. I'm like, this is going to be awkward. I don't know if I should say hi to this guy and point out that I know who he is or if I should just say nothing because it's awkward and I didn't know what to do. So I did. I went with the say nothing to avoid an awkward situation. But that's what I would have done. Yeah, I'm just like, sure, like I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's really weird. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Noah would do, but. Oh, I would avoid talking to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like, like I hung out, like I drove all the way up there. I talked to no one until I met up with my one friend, and then we went into the show together where we barely talked because we were listening to Kevin Smith talk. And then I, the next day, talked to virtually no one again. Yeah. So. Sounds like a perfect day, really. It's like, like I checked out a couple of micro brews so I could try beers I'd never tried before. So I had to talk to like a bartender. That's about it. It's like. I'm not. I'm not going to strike up a conversation with strangers. That's not who I am. Yeah, if I ran into somebody who I was friends with on Facebook and uh, I didn't really know, yeah, I, I wouldn't make the first move. Yeah, but then of course, if they were like, "Oh, hey," I would have been like, "Oh, hey, what's up, person?" Well, that's like know. the awkward part is like hypothetically at some point he was like a fan of a podcast I was on. That's why so like you would think I'd be happy to be introduced but also what if he's not also what if he's listening right now and like it's just doing the math in his head going like you think like do you think there was two of us at that job oh shit the bald guy with the goatee fuck how was i to know that was doug there wasn't was. like 50 other bald guys with goatees there that is that is, you're misleading everyone right now. I'm a bald guy with a beard right now. Oh, you got a beard going on. Okay. Yeah. See, that's how many pictures of you I've actually seen. <laughs> it's, not much. it's not like it, uh, I don't post pictures of myself very often because I don't. Yeah. I already know what I look like. I got to look in a mirror every day. I don't need to see any more of me. Well, that's true. I don't post a lot of me either, but. You post a picture of yourself when you do yoga, so only when you look your worst, when you're like drenched uh, in sweat. <laughs> like that is true. I do do that. I I feel like that's more of like an accountability uh, exercise. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I can make sure that I'm being held accountable. That I'm should be doing what I'm doing. You should be posting pictures of yourself when you don't do your yoga. Then, like just you on the couch, just being like, should be yogaing right now. Oh, should be yoga. Didn't do it. That's how you hold yourself accountable. Just have a bunch of people on social media yelling at you. 
Get off your ass. <laughs> I'm not sure if that would work. Uh, all right. What'd you watch this week, Brian? Uh, we've talked about the two things that I watched this week. Already. All right. Fair enough. So, jack shit. Um, that's untrue. I did watch, uh, the second season of upload on Amazon prime, which I'm a fan of. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a guy it's made by the guy who created the office, Greg Daniels. And, uh, so in this near future, they have the ability to upload your consciousness to like a computer after you die. Okay. Um, and this guy is uh, in an accident, goes to the hospital, and they're like, ooh, this is pretty severe. If he's going to upload, they need to decide now. And his girlfriend decides for him, essentially. Yeah. So, because once they upload you, like, they have to essentially evaporate your head to do it. So there's no going back. Oh, so it's like, yeah. So he gets uploaded into this computer and it's like, since his girlfriend's like super rich, it's like this very like high end, like, uh, uh, I don't want to say retirement community, but just like very, just, you know, big like apartments or whatever. And it's just called like Lakeview because it's literally on a lake and whatever. So it's almost like you're at a resort. And it's yeah. since it's like digital, like, you know, you can pick the clothes you want to wear. You can enhance your body to however you want it to look like and stuff like that. Um, he slowly starts to find out that he may have been murdered because he because uh, his partner was mad at him for rejecting some sort of business deal that they were working on. So then he starts trying to figure out like how he's going to um, figure this out because you can still like interact over like cell phones and stuff with people in the real world, essentially. Okay. Um, and stuff. And then they have people who are pretty much like tech support who can, um, you can call on them and then they show up. Like in tech virtual work for the deceased. I like that. Yeah, and so they call them angels, like, you know, they show up, and then they're like, okay, I have questions about this, this, and this, and they answer all their questions. And, of course, the one that is his is this kind of attractive woman, and they end up sort of starting to fall in love with each other. And, um, you know, but he still feels obligated to his girlfriend, who essentially is paying for his luxurious lifestyle in this virtual world so there's just like all kinds of fun like uh, like virtual stuff that they do in the show there's like one butler in the entire hotel but he splits into like 50 different versions of himself so he can attend to whoever needs his help and whatever so you see the same guy with the same face like all over the place and just all kinds of fun stuff and it's a comedy it's kind of a dark comedy but it's interesting. It's on Amazon Prime. So season two's up. Looks like season three is going to come out next year, probably. There. So, sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. So I had missed season two. I hadn't watched it yet. So I kind of binged through that. 
each season, like first season's ten episodes, second season's eight episodes, and they're like half an hour piece. So it's a nice, easy watch. Yeah. Also interesting because they like it. This already was a Black Mirror episode, so interesting to see the comparison <laughs> between the way it's handled in the two different <laughs> right? shows. Slightly different perspective. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other night I started. I watched the first episode of Slash, the new Slasher series. Um, Slasher started on Netflix and then jumped over to Shudder. And a new season just started called Slasher Ripper. Just set during the Jack the Ripper era, but it's not like di- not necessarily directly connected. They talk about the Jack, Jack the Ripper killings. Um, but now somebody in like a widow you know, wearing like the black dress with the black veil over top of him. So you can't see who it is, is going around and murdering like rich people that are out like soliciting prostitutes and stuff. So sort of like the inverse of what Jack the Ripper was doing. Okay. And, um, first episode, it's pretty good so far. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Let's figure out what we're watching yet, Noah. Next week, Secret of Nim, an American tale. We're doing cartoons. Cartoons. Really? You sound disappointed, Dad. Uh, Well, I've never seen either one, so maybe I'll really enjoy them. You didn't pick Mother's Day and Schoolgirls in Chains, which is a new one I haven't seen on the list before. I don't know what Schoolgirls in Chains is, but it sounds great. Yeah. I saw it. I was about to watch it, and I'm like, that belongs on the list. I'm going to wait and watch that. So, first reactions come along with everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, I just did an article to coincide with the release of the new Little Mermaid movie mm-hmm. about uh, animated movies that are not from Disney that should get made, and both of these were on the list. Life. <laughs> A live action American tale is basically just like the most depressing live action. <laughs> I've never seen American Tales, so this ought to be fun. Really? It's just one I missed. Do you guys you guys know what it's about, right? Yeah, he's like a Russian mouse that immigrates to the uh, United States and he loses loses his parents along the way, so he has to find them. Sure. Yes. <laughs> sure, right. Sure, it's not, it's not a, at all an analog against the Jews post Holocaust coming to America. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be depressing. Are you telling me that you're making me watch anti-Semitic mice next week? Uh, no, it's not anti-Semitic, but it is like he's saying it mirrors the Jewish experience post. Uh, World War II in the United States is what he's saying. He's not saying it's anti-Semitic. It's not, but somebody will be behaving anti-Semitically towards the mouse. The it's not as brutal as uh, Secret of Nim is, but it's it'll uh, affect you probably. I think Noah is saying like you lose people lost family members like along the way from the Holocaust. Now they come to the United States and they have to try to figure out where people are to reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like 
capitalist sure. capitalist abuse of immigrants and poverty and living in ghettos and yeah, it's, it's very family friendly. Good times. They really they really made the uh, the anti semitism digestible to children. Nice, happy, go lucky cartoons next week. All right, let's see what we're getting ourselves into. (laughs) Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.